Welcome to the Catholic Foodie Show. I'm Jeff Young, your host, the Catholic Foodie. You can find lots of Catholic culinary inspiration to help you grow in faith around the table of the Eucharist and around your family dinner table at catholicfoodie.com. I tell you, yesterday was a special day for us. Uh, blessed Louis and Zelly, blesseds, I guess, blesseds, uh, Louis and Zelly Martin were uh, canonized by Pope Francis, and now they are Saint Louis and Saint Zelie Martin, uh, the parents of Saint Therese of Lisieux, the first married couple in history to be canonized together. Truly, truly amazing. And uh, very excited because my daughter, my youngest daughter, now four months old, her name is Zelie. We pronounce it Zelie, uh, but she's named after Zelie Martin. So very, very happy for her. I'm also excited to bring you a great uh, guest today. We're going to talk about family. We're going to talk about the family dinner table, the importance of gathering around the table. Uh, Marie Ballette joins me today. She is a, uh, a singer-songwriter. Uh, you can find more about Marie over at uh, mariebellette.com. B-E-L-L-E-T is the last name, mariebellette.com. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Marie for the first time in New Jersey in early August at the Catholic Marketing Network, and she was gracious to join me on the show today. Uh, very excited about that, and uh, I don't want to delay. Let's jump right into this uh, awesome conversation. Well, folks, I, I'm so excited today uh, to to be joined by uh, a delightful, a delightful woman of, of faith, a very talented uh, woman. We have Marie Ballette joining us today here on the Catholic Foodie Show. Marie, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, uh, we had the, I had the pleasure of, of meeting you, I guess it was a couple of months ago now up in New Jersey uh, at the uh, the Catholic Marketing Network at their big shindig. You know, I was only there for a couple of days, so I missed some of what I have heard were the epic moments, like the, the hoedown y'all had uh, the day that I left. Y'all had one in the evening and, uh, and you're a musician, a recording artist, a, a, a singer. Uh, would you mind... Um, just giving us a little introduction of, of who you are, where you come from. Sure. I am. I've been living in Nashville for about 30 years, came here for grad school a long time ago and, uh, have, uh, was actually was, uh, somewhat, uh, had ulterior motives coming to study here because I've always loved music and I knew that this was music city. So I, um, I did a little bit of singing when I was studying and, but never really expected to get to do much more of it after I got married. Uh, but I, I wound up marrying a guy from New York, uh, settling in Nashville. We have nine children. And at about the age of 35, I began unexpectedly to write music. And I, I began to write songs about uh, family life and of marriage and all those things that I care about so much and trying to kind of talk to the culture about what a beautiful life this is and uh, what a beautiful thing it is to, to uh, devote yourself to your family. So I have wound up recording six albums now and it, it's all about um, faith and family and they're everyday kind of story songs everyday life sorts of things and um, kind of have a little bit of that natural flavor, 
country music always had a, a, a real uh, niche in the story song thing. So um, it was sort of an unexpected thing um, to be to be a writer. And I'm I'm a writer and a singer. I'm not much of a musician, unfortunately. But I have uh, several of my sons. I have eight sons and one daughter. Uh, several of them have taken up instruments, and so. Uh, we can do things like the hoedown, and, and I, I just enjoy it so much. It's a it's a great way for the family to get together to talk play music together. Well, that that's the thing. It's just so beautiful. You know, you you talk about writing, like the content of the songs being about family and and just how good it is to be together, to love your family, to be devoted to your family. But you you. In a, in a sense, kind of put that into practice in the music itself because you also create the music with your family. Well, yeah, actually, more and more, my my second son Luke um, is a he is quite a songwriter himself, and <clears throat> I can play about four or five chords poorly, <laughs> <laughs> and so, and I mean, I can hear all these great melodies in my head. And I have no idea how to play them. So I've always, that's, that's been the great thing about being in Nashville, is that I can hear something and sing it for somebody who knows what they're doing, and they can come up with the chords. And increasingly, that's my own uh, children. So that has been tremendously gratifying for me. But I, I really think that if I were not in Nashville, I, this whole uh, songwriting thing would never have been possible because I would have been limited by my own skills. And sometimes, you you know, you just, you need just a, another couple of ingredients to really make something come together. So. That's right. That's right. I like that analogy, by the way. <laughs> Being in the kitchen, you know, and needing some more ingredients. And, uh, uh, but, you, and God takes care of all those little details, you know? I mean, God obviously had a plan and... and he does. He supplies, he supplies things. In fact, when I started writing, I, I was so surprised that myself that, that I started writing. Then I remember, you know, there were several years in a row, you know, I took this very slowly. I was like, my resolution this year is to finish one song. Then the next year was to actually record one song. <laughs> uh, and, and I was kind of like, well, if, if God supplies the person... Um, then, then I'll go with it. And right. so I, I guess I've always kind of just thrown something out there and said, God, you want me to do this? And then, you know, it's, you, you have to be active, but you also have to be a little bit passive in just kind of getting the confirmation and things just kept, um, falling into place. But having so many children, I was never in a really big hurry to make it happen um, and I just sort of let it happen. Right. And that's, that's just always been my approach to writing. And I, I love hearing you say that, you know, just, uh, just yesterday I was reading an, um, an article. No, I take that back. It well, I wasn't reading. I was listening to a talk by Heather King. Uh, she's written a number of books. I think she's a, she's a regular contributor to Magnificat magazine and to uh, a number of other uh, publications. And uh, she was talking about the vocation of, of being a writer. And she's an attorney. I mean, she's got a, a law degree and is, you know, uh, uh, had passed the bar and I, I think a couple of states and uh, but, but just never wanted to practice law. She wanted to write. And she said mm-hmm. that uh, she... Uh, the, the, at the times in her life when she tried to make it happen, 
it, it never worked. Yes. It never worked. And so <laughs> it was always those That's invitations. Yes. In fact, I have a distrust for when I, when it's too much me. You know what I mean? It's like if you force a song. So what I do is I, a lot of my songs just come out of my own inner monologue. And, and so sometimes I'll, I'll be, you know, I spend a lot of time, you know, I'm just at home. So I'm talking to myself all the time in my head. And uh, sometimes I notice that something rhymed or sometimes I just notice that, you know, that is something conversational, but it, it sort of um, is depicting a major theme in life or a major question in life. And so I'll just sort of ponder it and see if I get critical mass on a, you know, on a few more things. So there are a lot of songs I've written that have actually taken many years because often a song to me presents itself as, as a problem or a question. Right. Um, for, for example, I have a, a song called Don't You Think I Count? And it's really about how men and women communicate and measure love differently. And there is a lot of built-in misunderstanding, which is, um, I think, kind of supposed to be there. It's like by design. So that men and women have to reach out of themselves to understand the other. Well, so I, I start the song, you know, mad one day, <laughs> thinking to myself, don't you think I count? And, and I think, well, you know, you've got to be responsible with these songs. You can't just mouth off, you know. You, you've got to figure out, I mean, for me, it's like, why did God make it this way? Mm. And so, you know, it takes a few years of pondering on that. And then when I think that I've kind of come to a conclusion, I can finish the song. So I've got a lot of different songs kind of in the hopper that I, I sort of wait. And, and you know, you, from time to time, they, they become an issue to me again, and I work a little bit more on them. But I don't want to force a conclusion that's that's too pat and rhymy, you know? Right. It's, it's like these are important questions. And um, so I'm, I'm very aware of that sort of that, that sense of, invitation that you just mentioned, you know, you're, you're invited to engage in, in this, um, it's like a little discussion and, and when you've got something to say, then say it. But if you don't have anything to say, please don't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, a, you kind of know what you're talking about. So that's, that's a, been my approach. That's a great way of, of putting it, uh, uh, too, you know, when you, and, and I think a lot of times it, it comes, it's a fruit of prayer. You know, it's, it's a fruit of, uh, it, it comes out of that, that relationship with God and, uh, and that he does, he not only opens up the, the outward doors, right? The, the invitations that come our way, uh, the opportunities that come our way, but also, uh, from the inside, uh, he is leading and guiding and kind of opening the doors, the inner doors, uh, to, to perhaps find the answers to some of those questions or, or to, uh, hone the question, uh, to where it's more, uh, accurate. You know, because sometimes there aren't a whole lot of answers out there, but uh, we can ask the question better, I think. We need to take a quick break. You are listening to The Catholic Foodie Show on Breadbox Media. I'm Jeff Young, your host, The Catholic Foodie. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a minute.
Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show. Let's jump right back into our conversation today with Marie Bellette. How have you found, because I mean, you, you know, you, your family is obviously one of the themes of, of your music, and it's obviously something that is very important in, in your life. What are some of the ways that perhaps your family uh, has inspired you in, in your, you know, personally as a mom in your prayer, but also in, in your music? Well, it's been everything. Um, it is, my family is my life. And in fact, in, in times when I was doing a lot of performing and people say, oh, you need to get out here and you have such an important message. But I always felt like I'm not going to have it a message to convey unless I go through the schlep of every day <laughs> working for my family. Right. That's, oh, yeah. that's what it comes from. You cannot, like, intellectualize. You know what I mean? It's like, and in fact, um, that's one of the things about, like, the, fam- the family dinner, okay? It's like, you can say that family is your main priority, and you can talk about it a lot. Or you can show it by being there together every right. night. Amen. And those are the things. That, that the heart never forgets. And so, to me, my, my family life is everything. That, this is, I mean, I think we're all called to sacrificial love. For me, that's very convenient because I'm a housewife, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I, and, and, and so it's right there before me. I, I think we all have to ask ourselves, how does God want me to, to um, convey this love to the world, and in my case, um, it's it's through my family, uh, and I have had. Let's see, my oldest is twenty seven, and my youngest is nine. So for a long time, it's been an an easy answer. Um, it's it's giving myself to my family and giving my family, in turn, to the community, because I think that the family is not an insular thing. It is, um, it can be a real powerhouse. I mean, it's, it's an example to others that, um, loyalty and commitment is possible and that this is what your heart really wants because there's so much counterfeit out there that people are being constantly, um, lured to that's, that's so empty and, I actually think that the example of one or two really strong families in the community is a real treasure. And um, so that, to me, that is, it's almost like my, yeah, my, my music is, has been a, a very gratifying um, expression for me. But the real expression is is in your everyday relationships, I think. And that's something that you can't own, really, or right. hold on to. So it, it's a weird thing. Um, you know, one of the things I would love to write about, actually, when I talk about a song kind of being in the hopper for years, is that experience of looking at old photographs or old family movies. And it, it always has this, this very bittersweet, and I don't know if this is for for men too, but certainly is for women. There's, there's just something heart wrenching about it. 
And you can't quite put your finger on it. Is it because I miss the old days? Is it because I see lost opportunities? What is it that, that just absolutely grips my heart? And I, I used to think it was like nostalgia, regret, that sort of thing. But now I'm thinking that, no, it's, it's that strange experience of being in the present moment. Like you, you see, this life that is flowing by like a river and you just, you want to, you want to grab it, but you don't get to, you get to enter into it and you don't get to own it. And it's a very mysterious part of love and life and the family watching it over time um, is a very mysterious thing to ponder. Um, and and I guess that's what a lot of my writing is about, is pondering a lot of these mysteries of the family, mysteries of of love, and uh, over time, you know, you think things are going to work out one way, they work out a different way, and it's, oh, okay, well, that's good, too. It's just that sense that I don't really have control over this, but I can have you know, a huge involvement in this. And this can be, this can mean everything to me, but I don't get to own it or control it. And I think that that's one of the reasons why our culture doesn't understand family because they think in our culture, it's like, it's all about control (laughs) and getting what you want and avoiding (laughs) suffering. And family is the opposite of that. Family is not being able to control Stepping in and saying, I will suffer for you. I will do the dirty, boring, stinky work that's necessary to nurture another person. And I will do it over time. Right. And I, and I will subject myself sometimes to boredom, sometimes to being terrified. By, by, you know, it's, it's that real vulnerability that family calls us to, which is the really exciting part of life. But but it's not portrayed like that in our culture. And so that was one of the reasons why I, I started writing. I was like, wait a minute. This is this is really important, true, beautiful, good stuff. And I and how do you tell a culture because I found I, we were we lived overseas the first several years of our marriage so when I returned to America I already had three kids and I could tell that there was a lot of disapproval about that. And a lot of um, kind of like, why, you know, why the heck would you battle yourself for that? <laughs> and, and I was like, no, I, I got to tell you guys. And, and I think that's a real, um, a real question for, for Catholics. Now, how do we show the culture right. the yes. beauty of this life? Because everything in the media is against it. Yep. And, and one of the things, like the standard, and we're about to hear because Thanksgiving is coming up, there's always a standard joke about how hellacious it is to have to be with family at Thanksgiving. Right. And I hate it when they make those jokes. Yeah. It's, 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 so, it's so destructive. And, and, you know, getting back to, to your love of, of food and, and the family table and all of this, it's it's like an open attack on that. Yep, you know, it is. The, the family dinner is like a sacrament for the family. It's a natural sacrament for the family. Okay. And so we see this overt attack on that. If there's an attack on it in daily life because of the constant activities that kids, there's 
the sports and everything, it's always right during the, the dinner hour. And so in order to maintain a family culture, and I, I think that what we're trying to do with family is to create our own family culture, because this is what will sustain our children as they go out into the world. And the family dinner is the basis for forming that culture. It is. You, you've got traditions, you learn manners, you, you've got this consistency, you've got the history of all the conversations, all the inside jokes created over the, <laughs> in these conversations over the years. And this is such a beautiful thing. And and the family dinner table is, um, that's where a lot of this goes on, uh, it, yeah. especially as kids get older, because everybody's got to eat. That's right. It's almost like and, God made it, that God made us. I mean, he is our creator and has the instruction book and knows what we need. But it's just so neat to see how throughout scripture, I mean, shared meals, uh, you know, covenant meals were very important, but that whole concept of a shared meal uh, is just portrayed throughout scripture from Genesis to Revelation so beautifully. And God knows that we need that. And it's kind of built into us. We eat three times a day. It's three opportunities for us to get together with family. I, you know, I said something kind of I mean, jo- jokingly, I'm saying it was scandalous in a, in a joking kind of way. This was a, about a week ago in one of the shows. Uh, I, I was, um, I made the comment that, um, you know, it's really not about the food and uh, Lisa Schmidt no, over not. at, uh, at practicingcatholic.com kind of laughed, you know, and put on Twitter, she said, uh, you know, something you never would hear a foodie say, right. And, uh, it's really not about the food. It's, it's about the relationships. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Oh, I, I agree with that. Well, now, the food is definitely a plus now because I, oh, I yeah. personally, I think <laughs> at cooking. I really think I don't have the talent. I don't have the attention to detail. I don't have the ability to plan. However, my husband has the talent. He's got the gift. It's not his job to do the cooking. But, <laughs> which is so unfortunate. But, like, on weekends... When everybody knows that, like my husband loves to, it, it is, it's one of his ways of showing his love is to really prepare something. And he, and it's kind of like this natural apprenticeship in the kitchen too. Like he, he makes this incredible, um, lemon garlic, uh, dressing for the, the salads. And we have a salad every night because that's the one thing I can make. You know, I can, <laughs> I can cut things up, put them together in a bowl. But, <clears throat> So it's like as over the years, the boys have become the, the apprentice salad dressing makers. And then as when their friends come over, they know there's, there's this whole ritual really in preparing the meal because it takes a long time. Like for me, I don't think about food until I'm hungry and then I just want to get it over with. But my husband, he's like, no, 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 no. We're going to make this. And so there gets to be this whole ritual with the preparation and the waiting. And so... For, especially when some of my older sons were home, they would bring their friends to dinner. We, uh, so my son Luke would play music in the living room while some people were squeezing the lemons and mashing the garlic. <laughs> and, you know, they would, <laughs> some of his friends would call my husband and say, now what's your recipe for that spaghetti sauce? Or, oh, yeah. And it was, <laughs> so it's kind of like the relationship formed by by doing things, and for men, that's very much shoulder to shoulder. That's, Absolutely. You know, that's how they bond. It's in the kitchen. Um, but so that's, um, I, I've seen that as, as a beautiful thing. So I, I do think that, especially if there's a long waiting time, having that really yummy stuff in the end 
makes it makes it all worthwhile. Oh, because yeah. it, it kind of brings people together who might not be together otherwise. We need to take a quick break. You are listening to The Catholic Foodie Show on Breadbox Media. I'm Jeff Young, your host, The Catholic Foodie. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show. Let's jump right back into our conversation today with Marie Bellette. Oh, absolutely. I think that food is a fantastic uh, medium or means uh, of evangelization. You know, I mean, Jesus, well, yeah, look at yeah. Jesus. He, he, he fed the, the 5,000, fed the 4,000. I mean, it's, you know, if you feed them, they will come. And I, and I think that if we uh, offer something really good, something really delicious, uh, all the better, man. You attract more people. And I mean, even if you're cooking at your home yeah. and you're, you're inviting your friends or your, your fellow parishioners or uh, extended family, anybody uh, uh, to the house, it really makes a difference. It, it makes a total difference on, oh, on what is served and the quality of the food. Well, and it can be a, an excuse, um, kind of a stealth way to really introduce somebody to the idea of a family community because so many of like the kids' friends from college, they don't have any experience of that. Right. They, they don't have a family dinner, and they're kind of fascinated by it. And one of the, the really great things about family dinners, too, is the mixing of ages. And I think that this is something that's been lost in our culture, is this sense, and, and I've noticed it a lot with teenage kids, they'll, like, when, I was recently driving kids to a, a homecoming dance, which, you know, granted, they were humiliated <laughs> that their mother was driving, but it was like, kids... There's a there's this kind of a weird cultural shift where there isn't a lot of respect for older people anymore. And right. I I'm considered an older person by these teenagers. And so it's like if you're not in my age group, you're not relevant. And it's it's uh, something that I saw when we lived in Spain. It was beautiful the way that people would get together because there were the grandmas and the grandpas and then the the parents and the kids and all the ages were mixed. And that's what you get at a family dinner. Mm -hmm. So that you don't, you don't wind up in some sort of adolescent, you know, pure adolescence, you know, (laughs) adolescence is a very interesting time of life. And I actually think it's extremely entertaining, but (laughs) it it needs to be um, kind of tempered by the little kids or the 20-somethings right, who are like, right. you got it so easy, you have no idea. You know, it's, I think that it's also a natural way for ages to mix and to learn from each other. Um, and so once again, that's, that's something that God has, you know, perfectly woven in to this type of tradition. Yeah, I think so. I think so. You know, we, we had uh, one part of our conversation in, uh, in New Jersey uh, involved this whole concept of the family table, the family dinner. Uh, you had mentioned that term, uh, you know, a couple of months ago in that conversation too, of the, the natural sacrament. And, you know, uh, we have uh, in the church, of course, the, the, the seven sacraments and a sacrament is an outward sign 
instituted by Christ to convey or to give grace. And grace is the very life of God. It's, it's God's own self that he gives to us. And, uh, you know, in the church, we have these things called sacramentals, you know, which are like sacraments. They, they do convey grace, give grace, but not necessarily instituted by Christ in, in scripture, like the rosary as an example, or holy water or something like that. But, but if you look at the whole concept or thought or idea uh, of, of, of what a sacrament is, that it is a sign that, that, that signifies and gives something, then we can see that there is something sort of sacramental about creation itself, that, that you know, that God is, God made this creation and, and this world that we live in and, and us, and in a way has wanted to incorporate all these created things into uh, his own way of communicating with us. He, he communicates to us and with us through creation and gives us grace through creation. So your comment uh, about a meal, family meals being a natural sacrament is something that just really resonates with me. And part of our conversation uh, in New Jersey centered on like your really your experience around the table, and you've you're talking you you're sharing with me right now about uh, you know the, the the different ages and and all of that. But can you give us a snapshot maybe of what is it like when 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 y'all have uh, dinner together? What is that whole process like? Well, first there's the long preparation, <laughs> and I'm you know like I said I'm not a good cook, but I I like like especially if it's if it's something where people are coming together from out of town when it's not just the everyday dinner is I like to, to make the table pretty. I like, like to make a big deal because that's something I am good at. So, so that signals, Oh, this is a big event. Right. But even if it's just an everyday dinner, um, you know, you, you set up the table. So this is like, it's, it's quite clear that we are setting this time aside for each other. And this is this is a time to not be discussing, you know, all you, you discuss your life, but it, it's like not a time when you're disciplining each other. You know, it's not a time for all the nasty stuff. This is this is a time that is set aside where I am for you. I will, and, and what we wound up doing because it can be kind of cacophonous at our table, and and it's funny because this is spilled over into. You know, when you build this tradition on the family dinner, and then as kids have gotten older and left, they still want some kind of a very regular connection. So our family dinner conversations have kind of, we now do it in a family Skype, which we do <laughs> once a week. Awesome. And yeah, so, and I mean, everybody wants to do it. So nine o'clock on a Sunday night, we all get on the Google Plus or whatever the thing is that they use. But so, because we, we have so many, um, we we did at one point um, start to institute a little bit of order to the conversation <laughs> because I think you can imagine with a bunch of boys a oh, constant yeah. stream of insults which are which are all funny <laughs> I mean they're they're fun um, it's not mean uh, and it's it's important you know the manners and the way that you treat each other at the table is definitely very important but so we we started going around and this is actually good when you've got little kids too because. It's hard to get conversations started with really little kids, but we so we started going around and saying, "What was the best and the worst part of your day?" Right. So we would go around the table, <laughs> and it's um, it's a great way. I mean, because a lot of people in my family are a little more reticent. You know, they don't want to 
they don't want to talk about this or that, but uh, you really get to know each other's lives on a daily basis. Um, and it sparks a lot of other conversations. Now, I think it's important, and in, in our case, it's been more my role, but it just depends on the personalities in the family. It is important to put personality into it. And, and it's hard because at the end of the day, a lot of times, all you want to do is give people your leftover energy, your right. leftover personality. But it's, um, it's something to consciously, consciously say, I'm not going to just let this roll where it goes. Because that can be an interesting. <laughs> people are stressed out. They got homework, or husband's got more work to do after dinner. But to, to kind of let people know you are worth me putting my best best foot forward. Right. And so, you kind of need somebody in a large group to to kind of keep the conversation going in a positive, fun way. And to me, it's it's really. It's all about the relationship, and it's about the fun, and it's about the humor, and it's about the storytelling. And one thing that's kind of I, that I noticed when I was growing up, because I'm from a family of eight, and we ate dinner together tonight at night every night. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, it was not about the food, but it was a, it was about the consistent connection and knowing that how much of a loser you might have been that day, it didn't really matter, <laughs> or how much of a winner, you know, but, right. or if you had a great story. So, like, as you go through the day, you're kind of like, oh, man, I'm going to tell those guys about this tonight. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to put this into a story that's funny, and, and it kind of uh, it helps the mind see the humor in, in the everyday situation. But, for example, one of the things... I, one of my brothers always he always wanted to tell jokes and he was terrible at it because so was <laughs> this um, development over the years now of course he's hilarious but so the dinner table was you know it's like okay what's your joke tonight oh, the dinner great. table was the way to practice oh that's um, awesome that's awesome the way to practice conversation <laughs> and and I think that this again is something that has been lost in modern culture. And, yeah. you know, the more I think about it, the more I think that this, this family dinner is so much of an antidote to what, to what ails us these days. I mean, the, the isolation to electronics, all that kind of jazz, people don't look each other in the eye. They don't know how to have a conversation. They certainly don't know how to communicate to someone who's in a different age group, um, and and this is the kind of thing. Practice with good, polite, interesting conversation. Yes. Not letting someone just monopolize and be a narcissist and talk only about themselves. These kind of things get hashed out at the dinner table. We need to take a quick break. You are listening to The Catholic Foodie Show on Breadbox Media. I'm Jeff Young, your host, The Catholic Foodie. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show. Let's jump right back into our conversation today with Marie Ballette. That's right. You know, it's it's funny because uh, I, I I do a show in uh, New Orleans and Baton Rouge called Around the Table, and it's a, I, I'm, a, I'm a co-host. I've got two other uh, co-hosts with me, and one of them is uh, Monsignor Christopher Nolte, and he's a, a, a 
parish priest uh, in, in New Orleans. And he, he talks about this because he has a number of brothers and sisters. And when he was growing up in New Orleans, that's what they did. They had, they had family dinner together and it was sacred time. It was guarded. I mean, back in those days, we didn't have the cell phones and smartphones and all of that stuff. But yeah. you have, you know, kids in, in high school or, or even, even grade school uh, with a- extracurricular activities that you're wanting to intrude on those times. And his dad was very strict about, you know, no, this is, this is our time. And yeah. one of the things that Monsignor Nalti talked, exactly what you're talking about, that, that it's an antidote, right? It, it really is an antidote. And the fact that, you know, studies have shown, studies have shown that, you know, the, the, when kids have dinner regularly with their families at night, uh, they have better vocabularies. Uh, they're able mm-hmm. to, they're able to, uh, they're not as, uh, in, inhibited, I guess, uh, in the way that they communicate with other people. Uh, there's just so many d- just natural advantages to having mm-hmm. those really. And of course you've got the other studies that are sociological studies that show, you know, the drop in, uh, drug addiction rates, uh, for people who, who really are formed around the table, uh, with their families. Mm-hmm. Because it's all about that connection. It's all about the relationship. And, uh, and, and, and it's telling your kids, you are worth my time. Right. And particularly with the father, to have a father's attention is, is really, really something that, that uh, you know, everybody's always talking about self-esteem and all this. Well, it's the time. Mm-hmm. And it's the consistency. And also knowing that, that there's a protector who's going to be at the table. So... Um, Let's say you got in trouble. Let's say it was your fault. Let's say you were the bad guy. There's somebody to answer to, but there's also somebody who's going to help you figure out how to deal with it. Right, right. And, you know, um, I think that it makes other consistent traditions more easy. Like, they flow out of the family dinner. For example, um, the idea of having a consistent, stimulating conversation about important things that are true. Okay, Mm. this is what we're going for, to me, at the dinner table. Well, that's, we kind of created something else that we do now, which is, as the kids have gotten older, you know, we try to say, look, everybody, you, you need to be reading a book, like something not related to your job or whatever, but but something that's really thought-provoking. And so what, what we do from time to time when we get together is, you know, we, we do a similar thing to, you know, what was the best and worst part of your day. But, you know, we go in the living room and it's like, okay, everybody, you can read like one paragraph or a page from whatever it is you're reading that you think is, that, that really struck you, either that you just like or you think is something about, is about something very important. And, you know, this, this has been an incredible way to form critical thinking wow. and to help uh, the kids to, they have to, they have to interpret the environment they're in and they're in a very toxic environment in many right. ways. Yeah. And, you know, so one of the things that, that began at the dinner table has now kind of flown, uh, um, has flowed into other things, um, you know, and actually talking about interpreting the culture, one of the things that we did at the dinner table is we would talk about, like, especially when a lot of the kids were teenagers and they wanted to listen to dumb music, like <laughs> really, really irritating music. It was like, I'd say, okay, 
print out the lyrics to that song. Let's talk about what it says. Ooh, wow. What yeah. Is, what does that song mean? <laughs> or, or jokes or, or movies or TV shows. Wow. And one of the things I, I used to always say to the kids is, I want you to look at where there is degradation of the creature. Yeah. Because that is not good. Right. And, you know, the devil hates us and he's laughing at us. How is he doing that through this TV show? Or through this joke or through this movie. Uh, it's it's very important that kids not just be passive receivers of the messages of the culture. Because these are not loving messages. Right. And yeah. these are often not messages that have any regard for what's true. Mm. And there's a lot of manipulation out there. So this is like your one shot in the day. You know, like you say, people have to eat. Yeah. Um, this, this is, you know, not that every single dinner has to be this big, you know, heavy loaded thing, but but it kind of seeps through. Yeah. And I and that's why I'm, I'm saying, you know, it's you need to be a little bit um, forward thinking or active about the dinner conversation because otherwise it's really easy to just kind of sit and stare and drool and say, Oh my gosh, I'm so exhausted. You know, you want to, you want to put some personality and some energy into it and show them there are important things to know that we can know. And, and there's, you know, the good, the beautiful, the truth that has to be focused on and you form your kids taste for art for entertainment, all these kind of things, what you laugh at, what you focus on, they take a lot of cues oh, yeah. from that. Oh, yeah. So this, this is your opportunity to pass, really pass on your personality to them. And, it, and, it is, and it's... Go ahead. I, I was going to say, it's nice also to pass on the personalities of their ancestors in these things. <laughs> Talk about your brothers and sisters, your parents... Talk about the stories of, of their hopes and dreams and maybe their failures and successes. So so the kids get a real context for their own hopes and dreams and failures and successes. So that, you know, if you mess up, it's not a big deal. You know, Uncle so-and-so messed up, but look where he is now. That's right. Uh, that, that kind of historical context is really great. And that's something else that you pass along at the dinner conversation, I think. Yeah, I think, you know, I think you, you hit early on in our conversation, really the heart of, of what we're talking about. You know, I, one of the things I hear from families all the time is just how, how they know that family meals are important. They know that eating together is important, but life is just so busy and blah, blah, blah. And, it, and it's true. I mean, you've got families who who's just, you know, they pass each other, you know, in the night, so to speak. And, uh, and, and they really have a hard time uh, getting together, but you hit, you hit the heart of it. I think it really is about the relationships, but it's about, it's about love and we're all called to love and love is the only thing that in the end is going to matter at all. I was thinking, um, you know, as, as you were talking about this, that, uh, about mother Teresa, you know, mother Teresa of Calcutta, did the dirty work. I mean, she was there. She loved each individual person as she was serving them. And she didn't do that in order to win awards like the Nobel Peace Prize or, you know, get to speak at that prayer breakfast, uh, that famous or infamous, I don't know how you want to term it, uh, 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 prayer breakfast where she spoke out very strongly about being pro-life, you know, and, and protecting life. Uh, she did it out of love for each and every 
person that she encountered because she saw Jesus in them. And I think that our call in the family is is along the the same lines, right? Is 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 to love. And uh, Marie, I want to thank you so much for for joining me today. Um, we're running out of time here, but c- could you tell us uh, where people can find you online? Maybe find more of your music. Oh, sure. Um, I have a website, mariebelette.com, and it's M-A-R-I-E-B-E-L-L-E-T. And I've got a Facebook, a band Facebook page. But, um, yeah, you can find all my music uh, at my website, mariebelette.com. And I'll, I'll also put a link in the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com to, uh, to your website and to your Facebook page. But thank you so much for, uh, for joining me today. It's been a, an absolute delight for me to, uh, to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Jeff. Wow, something smells good. Those uh, goodies in there. Granny, Granny Puckett, the goody lady? My goodness, she makes some good goodies. She's got a thing. It's like a, uh, it's like a, uh, cookies, shortbread chocolate dicing between very, it's good. Uh, it's very good. Indeed, it was good. Very good to have Marie Ballette on the show today. Uh, what what a pleasure. What a pleasure. What a joy. You can find out more about Marie, her music, uh, over at mariebellette.com, B-E-L-L-E-T, mariebellette.com. Uh, always, always a pleasure. Uh, again, folks, I want to remind you that we have something of a contest going on uh, this week. Uh, I posted about this. I talked about it on the show, I believe, on Thursday. I interviewed uh, Daniel Schumacher of Louisiana Cooking Magazine. And uh, if you heard that that uh, that interview, you know that they released a cookbook. Louisiana Cooking Magazine released a cookbook, their first one, called Louisiana de Mer. Uh, seafood is Louisiana seafood magazine or, or cookbook rather. And you can win a free copy of this cookbook. How? Well, it's quite simple. You just need to leave voice feedback. You can call 985-635-4974, 985-635-4974. Any time of the day or night, call and leave me a message, a voicemail, voice message telling me what your favorite uh, Louisiana dish is is uh, perhaps something you've had on a trip here to New Orleans or uh, maybe something you've had somewhere else. It's just uh, a Louisiana type of of dish. I'd love to hear about it. I can play that voice message here on the show. So be sure to tell me who you are and where you're calling from. Uh, Also, you have an opportunity instead of if you don't want to call in, maybe you're a little bit shy about that. No problem. Just email me. Email me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com answering the same question and your name goes in the hat to receive a free copy of this new cookbook, Louisiana de Mer. Very excited about that. Tonight, by the way, is uh, the, the, big, uh, fe- uh, act, the big event that I uh, talked with Daniel about, uh, Chefs to Watch, Louisiana Chefs to Watch. It's going to be um, this evening in New Orleans in the city. I hope to tell you a little bit more about that this week. Uh, seems like it's going to be very exciting. Eight chefs preparing, uh, each preparing a course for this uh, meal. I like that kind of stuff, you know, it's, it's bringing people together, it's community, it's bringing people together, not only in the kitchen or not only around the table, but also in the kitchen. I, I like that. That's, that's pretty awesome. And don't forget, we can now pray to Saints Louis, 
and Zaylee Martin. Uh, love that. Very excited. I've got my little baby girl right here with me. Um, she's kind of quiet today. A little shy the microphone you know we're working on that thank you again so much for uh, listening to the catholic foodie show uh be sure to tell your family and friends about it uh share what's good you know share the good stuff in life and tell them too about Breadbox media an awesome new catholic media outlet you can find out more about Breadbox media at breadboxmedia.com i'll see you tomorrow exciting show tomorrow gonna have chris faddis join me so stay tuned for that tomorrow uh and until then Bon appétit.